This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I'm Ben Dominich. I'm Ainsley Earhart. I'm Trey Gowdy, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, May 26th, 2023. I'm Dave Anthony. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis just joined the Republican race for president, seen as Donald Trump's biggest challenger. But the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez, thinks he might be a better alternative. I think it's got to be someone who has a positive vision for the future. There's so much division and negativity in our in our country. It's tearing us apart. What do our what do our enemies want? They want us to be divided. I'm Jessica Rosenthal. The latest Fox News polls show Americans want spending cuts and Republican Americans still want Donald Trump to be president, even as two more names officially jump into the 2024 race. You know, the Republican Party has had to do a very deep dive in this kind of internal a check on what they got right, what they got wrong, and how they can broaden their tent. We speak with Fox News Sunday host Shannon Breen. And I'm Brian Kilmeade. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. Who's next? More Republicans may put on their running shoes and join the presidential race that got more crowded this week. We know the country's on the wrong track. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis launched his campaign Wednesday, telling Fox... We see the border being overrun. We see crime infesting the cities. We see the federal government making it more difficult for families to make ends meet. And we have a president who is a listless vessel. DeSantis is second in a new Fox News poll to former President Trump. We need to win again as Republicans. we got to dispense with this culture of losing. DeSantis is 33 points behind Trump in the poll, but... Every other candidate or potential GOP challenger is nearly 50 points back or more, including Senator Tim Scott, who tells Fox. My life disproves the lies of the radical left. Their culture of victimhood is eating away at the soul of America. Scott launched his campaign Monday in his home state of South Carolina. DeSantis's glitch-filled rollout on Twitter was in Miami, Florida. Well, you know, I'm not surprised that he chose to launch his candidacy from the city of Miami, highlighting the very good job that we've done here in Miami, that I've done in Miami. That's Miami Mayor Francis Suarez, who's also thinking about joining the 2024 Republican race. If I decide to run for president, I will also be highlighting the job that I've done in Miami. You know, we have uh, lower taxes to the lowest level in history. We've seen 12 percent growth, which is the second most we've ever had. We focused on keeping people safe, which is a problem in urban America. Um, We had the lowest per capita homicide rate since 1964. And this year, our numbers are shockingly better. Uh, We've gone down by 40% in homicides, 77% in shootings, and an additional 40% in contact shootings. So we've never been safer as a city. And, And we focused on innovation. We're number one in wage growth, and we have the lowest unemployment in the country. I know the governor likes to emphasize that he's a winner, but recently the evidence points in a different direction as he criticizes the former president. All right. So he is second in the latest Fox News poll. He's at 20 percent. Of course, former President Trump is way out in front. He has 53 percent. Your name was on the list of candidates they asked voters about, and you didn't get any support in the Fox poll. What will you do 
How will you make a name for yourself if you decide to get out there on the campaign trail? You know, as a, as a wise coach once said, I got him right where I want him. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> which is, look, I think what's going to happen in 2024 is the country is, is, is obviously, first of all, very disenchanted with Joe Biden's America, right? This is Amer- in America where the poor get poorer and where America gets, America gets weaker. So how does the poor get poorer? You know, runaway federal spending. Um, you've got a situation where uh, inflation is making regular everyday people have less purchasing power in their bank account and borrowing costs are going up. So people who want to borrow money, it's more expensive. People who want to buy goods, groceries, gasoline, it's more expensive. So Joe Biden's America is failing. And then he's let China just run completely amok. We give China a trillion dollars of our wealth annually in the form of a trade deficit and and, and allowing them to steal our IP. And they invest that money in our hemisphere and in our technology to destabilize us. So Joe Biden's America is completely broken. If he were to get reelected, the hope of the American dream would vanish. And then I think you look to the other side and and the question is, you know, you know, do uh, Republicans want to uh, give the former president another opportunity or do they potentially want to go in a different direction? And I think you know, when I say I've got them right where I want them, what I mean is, you know, a lot of the people that would potentially try to make the argument that we should go in another direction are well known and have not really gotten the kind of enthusiastic embracing you would hope if you're going to be the alternative. And so I think being a fresh alternative, uh, being someone who's relatively or basically unknown, gives people a starting point. I think it's got to be someone who has a positive vision for the future. There's so much division and negativity in our country. It's tearing us apart. What do our enemies want? They want us to be divided. China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, Cuba, they want us to be divided. That is our kryptonite. So we need somebody that can inspire us, that can bring us together. I've done that in a city that used to be registered Democrat, and now I want it by 85% and 80% in my reelection. I think they want someone who can grow the party. Now, Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, has said said a lot of the same things you've said in his argument that he can do for America what he's done for Florida. He's talked about Florida being a success story, that he's turned a Democrat state. He won by 19 points in his reelection. Why not support him? Well, for a lot of reasons. I think the first is, you know, the messaging is not positive. The messaging is often negative. Um, You know, I think the fact that the governor has never spent any significant time in the private sector is something that he has in common with President Biden, uh, to be frank. You know, and I think that's what causes him, uh, you know, to take a winning issue like, you know, parental control of children's education, which we all agree on. There's no reason why schools and not parents should decide what uh, children are being taught in terms of sexuality, you know, when they're young. And, and then make it into what appears to be something personal and driven by by some sort of personal or spiteful decision and get in a fight with the largest employer in his state and have that person pull back billions of dollars of investments and thousands of jobs. Those are jobs that would go to people in his state and that would employ people and create prosperity. But what I've done is invited people to our city, and that's why we're number one in wage growth, we're number one in technology, job growth, and we're number one in direct foreign investment. The other day, people were warned not to go to Florida. The NAACP issued a travel advisory saying the state is openly hostile to minorities. 
Then White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said, Republicans in, in Florida have uh, attacked diversity. They've uh, attacked inclusion efforts. Uh, they've limited the teaching of black history. And they've uh, launched attacks on the LGBT youth, immigrants, educators, and women's reproductive freedom. The Human Rights Campaign, an LGBTQ plus advocacy group, issued its own advisory, saying gay travelers are at risk in Florida. Mayor Suarez disagrees. Travel advisories are serious. They're for like terrorists. They're for storms, you know, th- you know, things that create uh, sort of physical harm. They shouldn't be used cavalierly uh, to try to make political statements. I think everyone who comes to Miami knows uh, we were actually rated. This is interesting. We we're rated the happiest city in America uh, and the healthiest city in America. So I think uh, to suggest that a city like Miami or a state like Florida is not welcoming to everyone it's just inaccurate. You obviously are in a community that has a large Cuban and Latin population in Miami. We've had a lot in the last couple of years of focus on illegal immigration in the country. We had the surge of illegal border crossings right before the Title 42 border policy ended. Yep. The, sur- the surge apparently has backed off some since then. What would you do? What do you think should be done to deal with this issue? Well, I think everyone agrees that uh, first we have to secure the border, right? You have not just a migrant crisis, a migration crisis, but you have a fentanyl crisis at the border. And as I've traveled, particularly to the early primary states like Iowa, uh, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, uh, and when you go to the cities in all these states, uh, they have fentanyl crises. So this is not something that's a border issue. This is something that's a national issue. I think we have to focus on you know right-sizing legal immigration because immigration should be legal and orderly. I guess I would also say that As a Hispanic Republican, I think I would have a lot more credibility if I decide to run uh, as a negotiator, uh, you know, on this issue. And I also think it would take away the the, the argument that any deal on immigration would be something that would benefit the Republican Party. On the left, there is a push for the comprehensive immigration reform in Congress, and that would include a pathway to citizenship for those who came to the U.S. illegally. What's your view on that? Look, I think the problem with that is that there are many people who have come to this country legally, who've waited in line, who have paid their dues, and who have done it the right way. And what we don't want to do is, number one, incentivize more people to do it illegally. And number two, we want to be respectful of those who did it legally. Mayor Suarez is facing some controversy. The Miami Herald reported this week, although he is a part-time mayor and allowed to do outside work, the Republican may have crossed the line, alleging Suarez used his influence as mayor to help a real estate developer get permits for a $70 million coconut grove project. My response is there are a, a liberal publication that has been trying to discredit Hispanic Republicans in our community for decades. Um, you know, they allege that a meeting occurred that no one in the meeting uh, says occurred. And that's the basis of their allegation. They've shown no evidence of that. And this is, again, you know, look, every single Republican conservative, unfortunately, has to go through this with the media. You know, the former president has been the subject of potential political prosecutions. Even my governor, um, the governor of the state of Florida, they just put out an article, I think it was the New York Times, saying that he flew illegally or unethically on a private plane with a donor who was uh, trying to influence him legislatively. I mean, this kind of stuff is just sickening. You know, the last thing that the Miami Herald wants 
is a, a mayor who's the president of the U.S. Conference of Mayors who has lowered taxes, who has lowered crime to the lowest level ever, and who has created more prosperity than ever, becoming a poster child for what Hispanic Republicans can be across the country. I am their biggest threat. And because of that, they're going to do anything they can through innuendo, through falsehoods, through fake news to try to bring me down. And it's not going to stop. Mayor, it's Memorial Day weekend coming. We have the first Republican presidential debate on Fox News Channel in August. The contests start early next year. When will you decide whether or not you're actually going to run? Look, the decision time is quickly approaching. You have to meet two criteria to be on the debate stage. One of them is a polling criteria of at least 1%, and the other one is having 40,000 unique contributors. That takes a little time. You know, my parents exiled from their country of birth, which was Cuba, where a leader there told them, give me all your property, give me all your businesses, don't worry, we'll make everybody equal. And they did. They made everybody equally poor and equally miserable. And we've seen that story play out time and time again. And my fear is that it's playing out also in American cities. And I think we need a leader who can channel the American dream and the American spirit in a way that can connect with voters across the country to inspire them to look boldly into the future. Well, it sounds like you really want this. I, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm getting close to making the decision. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, there's a couple of, of additional boxes that we have to check. And, and obviously, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a prayerful conversation with your family and your friends, and it's a matter of faith. And then, you know, eventually I'll make the decision one way or the other, and I'll let the world know. Mayor Francis Suarez, Mayor Miami, Florida, potential presidential candidate. Great to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Brian Kilmeade with your Fox News commentary coming up. The latest Fox News polls show Americans have been worried about the debate over the debt ceiling and 3% more voters would blame President Biden for a default over congressional Republicans. But the poll also found, and this echoes another outlet's recent poll, that 57% of us would not want to raise the debt ceiling without a promise to cut spending, as our debt tops $31 trillion. Texas Republican Congressman Dan Crenshaw told Fox's Harris Faulkner Thursday, Republicans already passed a bill that raises the debt ceiling. Like you said, 60 plus percent of the American people think... You should probably have some spending controls if you consistently have to raise your own credit limit. Another Fox News poll found even as the Republican presidential field expands, former President Trump is still on top with GOP primary voters showing him. With a 53 to 20 advantage over Governor DeSantis, Mike Pence, as you see, with 5 percent, Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy are at four. Governor DeSantis now becomes the main challenger to former President Trump for the 2024 nomination, at least according to the polls. But as Fox News special report anchor Brett Baer notes, that's still a large gap. So how do people like DeSantis, who announced his candidacy Wednesday night on Twitter, overcome it? And what does it mean for other candidates polling below that? Joe Biden and the radical left are attacking every single rung of the ladder that helped me climb. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott also announced he's running this week. But as he traveled to Iowa and New Hampshire, his poll numbers have been in the low single digits. Yeah, and I think everybody's waiting to see, does it change this back and forth between DeSantis and Trump? They were allies at one point. Shannon Bream is the host of Fox News Sunday. These guys are down there, you know, in Florida, yucking it up. 
just supporting each other, supporting each other's <laughs> policies. And then obviously, once they become political rivals, it's a different story. You know, um, DeSantis has referenced Trump often without using his name. He'll say things like, I get things done legislatively instead of executive orders, which then can be undone by the next person. Um, or other things that you know where he's talking about Trump. We, sh- we cannot have a culture of losing. The GOP's got to get away from that. But now that mm-hmm. the gloves are off, it's official. It will be very interesting to see as these two go at each other. I mean, Trump has been merciless and has spent millions in ads going after DeSantis that a lot of people think have been very effective. I mean, he's leading by, you know, 20, 30 points in some of these state polls. So it'll be interesting to see how DeSantis gears up, what his style is in actually fighting back. Now, what do all these candidates on the Republican side, especially who are maybe in second or third place per polling, need to do? Because this... This, this isn't a normal situation, right? Former President Trump is the former president. He's leading the polls, as you just noted, by double digits in many cases. And I wonder, as we dig a little deeper into sort of next steps, do we see rivals wait and see how Trump plays things with some of these legal cases he's dealing with? Or do they start to maybe put on an offensive game a little earlier than maybe they thought they would? I think it's going to be very interesting to see what they do, because you have some who will say, I can bring you his policies without the drama. You see um, Vivek Ramaswamy, which has kind of come out of nowhere as this political novice that he's really great with crowds. He has a lot Mm -hmm. of praise for the former president, but talks about how he will do things in an even more effective in a different way. Um, Yes. So interesting to see Senator Tim Scott getting he's very well loved and apparently even by the former president. They work together on some really critical things like opportunity zones. And even when Scott made his announcement, there's kind of a nice response from President Trump, which is not how he's responded to most of his rivals. So every single one of these folks wants the job and at some point is going to have to make the argument why they're a better choice than the former president for the nomination. Yeah, it does seem like there's so much swiping at DeSantis from other Republicans like Nikki Haley, too, and, and former President Trump. You'd almost think it was DeSantis who was at the top of the polls. Um, we, we spoke with Ronna McDaniel, the chair of the Republican National Committee, a couple weeks ago, and she was mentioning independents and moderates a couple of times in our interview as we talked about this narrative from some Republicans like Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis about losing, right? They want to stop losing popular votes. They need to appeal to more, uh, you know, appeal to more Americans as Republicans. If the polls stay where they are and Trump is the nominee, it does look like he would have an uphill climb with independent voters and more moderate folks. What, what is the party, I guess? I mean, we don't know yet, but that's going to be something to navigate. Yeah. And they want to do things that aren't necessarily traditionally Republican in trying to go after some swing state and independent voters. What they want to do is, hey, we're going to talk about things like early voting and ballot harvesting and all of these different things. They want to reach um, outside of the traditional kind of GOP way of doing things and hoping to reach different people. They saw inroads last time around when President Trump um, did not win successfully in 2020, but did better with uh, uh, Black Americans and with Hispanic Americans and with Asian Americans. Mm -hmm. They see some growth opportunities with all kinds of different groups, including um, different racial groups, independent swing voters. But they know some of that is the very tricky suburban mom vote, um, which Mm -hmm. They have really responded to issues of education, but they may be in a different place on issues like abortion. So, um, you know, the Republican Party has had to do a very deep dive in this kind of internal uh, check on what they got right, what they got wrong and how they can broaden their tent. Let's talk about the debt ceiling. Less than a week out from June 1st, that deadline by which Treasury says we'll begin defaulting. We have some some new polling, right? A, A Monmouth poll shows only one in four voters think raising the debt limit should be 
tied to spending cuts. But this is a, and this is a big but, two, two polls, including our own Fox News poll, found the opposite. In the Fox poll, mm-hmm. nearly 60% think Congress should only raise the debt ceiling if there are spending reductions in place. Uh, what do you make of sort of where we're at and, and what that means for, I guess, <laughs> the 31 <laughs> plus trillion dollars? Right. I think it's a win for Republicans in the sense that people are even having a conversation about tying the two things together. Um, How they ultimately get there, we don't know yet. But remember, for months and months and months, the White House said there will be no negotiating over the debt ceiling. It will be Mm -hmm. a clean vote or nothing else. Meanwhile, the House GOP passes something that says, "Okay, we do give you a raise to the debt ceiling. And it sounds like they're still negotiating over that the time frame, but it's going to have to come with these cuts and caps in federal spending. As the speaker will say, um, we are at some of the highest revenue collection we've ever been in this country, and our debt is also at record highs. So we have to, both parties are going to have to give on pet projects and spending and those kinds of things, just like you and I would have to do in balancing our own budget at home. So they got to think about that. Now, the fact that the White House is even negotiating it all about where there could be cuts or caps you know, that's a win for Republicans. And it's got Democrats here very frustrated who think the president should have never given that kind of negotiation or leverage to the speaker. But that's where they are now. Finally, Shannon, um, let's just touch on the Supreme Court because we're, we're approaching June and we still have a lot of outstanding mm. cases that haven't been announced. As our legal eagle, we've got um, student loan forgiveness, university affirmative action policies and immigration mm. policy case. But I'm, I'm particularly interested in this voting rights case. Um, because it has to do with redistricting. Alabama says, in this case, Miller versus Milligan, you know, hey, we drew these lines as race neutral as possible, but advocates for some black voters say, no, you violated the Voting Rights Act in a discriminatory way. They could have had like two African-American heavy districts, but the state made just one. I wonder what what a decision might mean in terms of, of broader implications for other states. I know redistricting isn't for another you know, few years mm-hmm. from now, but um, I'm sure a lot of uh, state legislatures are watching this case. Yeah. And out of North Carolina as well. I mean, there are so many different redistricting battles going on. Mm. And at the core of a lot of these cases is how much power the state legislatures have. And the Voting Rights Act is still alive and well. It is applied in many, many states and many places where there has been trouble over, you know, districting and voting measures that, um, you know, some will say were designed to hurt specific classes of people or dilute their vote or make it not count as much. So the court has very difficult water to tread, I think, with those because they're very wonky cases, very important cases, um, and they actually do have the potential to change the makeup of the United States House. I mean, where you put right. districts, how you carve them out, who is able to have a real chance to win those districts. Um, these are, you know, I'm glad it's the nine most brilliant people we think in the country who are going to decide these things and not the rest <laughs> of us. <laughs> Shannon, do you have anything to preview for us yet for the Sunday show? I do. On Sunday, we're going to talk with Senator Lindsey Graham. Um, He has served overseas in uniform for us. He is on a very delicate, special overseas trip now. He'll join us fresh off of that. I don't even think he'll be back into the country by the time it gets to a Sunday. But we're going to have a lot of questions about what's going on in Ukraine. Have we equipped them well enough, the Western world, with money, with military Uh, might and what they need for this next offensive. You know, a lot of conversation about F-16s. We've agreed Mm -hmm. to a joint um, training. Will they actually get them? And how is this impacting, you know, the overdue weapons deliveries? We have to Taiwan. They've paid for them and they're waiting. Um, And so when we pour into one theater, it limits where we can pour elsewhere. So a lot of foreign policy to discuss with them. And of course, we'll be doing the debt ceiling. Shannon Bream, host of Fox News Sunday. Thanks for joining. 
Thanks, Jess. And now, some good news with Tanya J. Powers. Seeing huge ships dock in the New York Harbor is one of the hallmarks of Fleet Week, and Lila Lair joined others to watch the USS Wasp dock. She was waiting for her 16-year-old son, David, a Navy Sea Cadet who was on board. Emotional. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's exciting, but also a glimpse of the future, I guess. She told me he wants to join the Navy, just like his dad. David's been active in Sea Cadets for years. He's been doing Naval Sea Cadet programs since he was about 12 or 13, and there was the opportunity to ride on the USS Wasp. He applied for it and was selected to be a cadet on the trip. The junior program is for those 10 to 13 years old, while the senior program is for 13 to 18-year-olds. Retired Navy Rear Admiral Andrew Lennon heads up the Sea Cadet Corps, the Navy's youth development program, and told me it gives kids the tools they need to try new challenges. We do have a lot of really fun trainings, including scuba, sailing, rappelling. There's also robotics and medical and culinary. He told me the program is run almost entirely by volunteers. We welcome uh, any quality adults who can lead and who care and who want to see young men and women succeed. There's absolutely no requirement for military service. And it doesn't matter where you're located in the U.S. You do not need to live near the water. We encourage um, people from the middle of the nation to, to join up and learn about the maritime services. So Sea Cadets is about the maritime services, Navy, obviously, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, and Merchant Marine. And there are just so many wonderful opportunities in those services for anyone around the nation to learn about. You can learn more about the Navy's Sea Cadet program at seacadets.org. In New York City, Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. Precise, personal, powerful. It's America's weather team in the palm of your hands. Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Brian Kilmeade. What's on your mind? Let's talk 2024 rollout courtesy of... Ron DeSantis, it's a disaster, it's full of glitches. No and no. There were glitches. But if I'm interviewing someone on the radio or television and their shot goes down, I don't blame the person. It's my fault or a technical problem with my network or the radio show. So the shot came back up. Overall, 3.2 million people watching him on Twitter spaces. That's not bad. And then he got millions with Trey Gowdy. That's pretty good. There'll be times for speeches. But it's what did he say? Did, how did he answer the question? Did he come off coherent, come off direct? Did he come off confident? Yes, yes, and yes. Is he trailing by 30 points? Absolutely. But I bring you to this, this day, January 2024. That's Iowa. That's a long time to fill a gap or collapse. Kamala Harris got off to a great start and collapsed before her Iowa caucus. August is the debate. It's up for Ron DeSantis to be slow and steady. Be positive on the stump. Be direct in interviews. And when they pull up attacks on you from Nikki Haley or Donald Trump, that is when you attack back, but only when necessary. I find the whole thing fascinating. It is chess, and it's also preparation and confidence. That's why I think 2024 has got a ton of talent, and I can't wait to watch every single play. 
I'm Brian Kilmeade, and that's my take for the Fox News Rundown. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.